Welcome, you're listening to Ask the Doulas, a podcast where we talk to experts from all over the country about topics related to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and early parenting. Let's chat. Hello, hello. This is Kristen Revere with Ask the Doulas, and I am so excited to chat with Kristen Mallon today. Kristen is the CEO and founder, co-founder actually, of Femjavity. She is a CNM, MS, RNC, OB, and is a highly accomplished and passionate board-certified nurse midwife with over 20 years of experience in women's health. Her expertise in menopause and feminine longevity has made her a respected and sought-after expert in her field, and Kristen is dedicated to providing the highest level of care to her patients. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you about, you know, your background. From what I read um, on your bio, you actually started as a Dona doula in Maryland. So let's explore, you know, your passion and pivot in so many different ways in women's health. Yeah. So I started as a doula. I knew I wanted to be a midwife. Okay. So I while I was in school, I worked as a doula. And then once I be- got my nursing degree and then ultimately my midwifery degree, I transitioned from that type of support because, you know, now I had the, I was able to work as a midwife. And then so it kind of blend, there's a lot of blending. And I think a lot of kind of understanding both roles really well because I had been a doula before I became a midwife. Yes. So that emotional support and physical support and just being with women in pregnancy and then transitioning to more of the medical aspect of care. Right. Yep, exactly. So for our listeners who are not familiar with nurse midwifery, would you mind sharing a bit about how you work with women in pregnancy and childbirth and the postnatal phase? Yeah, I think Unfortunately, midwife and midwifery is really confusing in the United States. When you yes. go outside of the when you go outside of the United States, I think most of the people of whatever country it, it is, Central America, South America, Europe, Asia, they understand midwife kind of means midwife and there's like one word for midwife, which is someone medical professional who their sole job is to help women during pregnancy, maybe a little bit of the time getting pregnant, delivery, labor, and the postpartum period. It's a very specific medical role, a very specific niche. In the US, it's really confusing. And most of the time when I meet people, they're like, oh, you're a midwife, you deliver babies at home. You, know, you have no medical training, just you were trained by a group of women in the Amish country. You know, I don't, that's a very common mis conception that people have about midwives. Most midwives in the U.S., over 90%, I think some years it's even as high as like 96% of midwives work in the hospital setting. They work in a very acute care setting. And exactly only about 6% or 4% or 5%, depending on the given year and depending on the state, are actually working in the home. So the majority of us are working in hospitals. And so I think even that's confusing for the average American and then within midwifery, we have certified nurse midwives, which is what I am. I'm technically a board certified nurse midwife. Midwifery does have a certification board. We have certified midwives who have the same type of board certification that I have, but they don't have a nursing degree. They're not a nurse. We right. have 
lay midwives, which are midwives that are just trained in the communities, very similar to doulas, but they tend to have a little bit more understanding of the medical aspects of things. And we have professional midwives. Not all states recognize all of those. Every 50, All 50 states recognize a certified nurse midwife. Not all states recognize all of those other types of midwifery. And so it's very confusing and I think overwhelming for the average consumer. So it's hard in the US, I think, to understand midwifery fully. I agree. And certainly, I definitely agree about the assumption that most people think of midwives as a home birth midwife versus a CNM or working in a hospital. A birth center could be freestanding or attached to a hospital, for example. Right. And now a lot of hospitals, I mean, we've evolved so much, you know, I've been working in this field for 20 years, we've evolved so much. Now we have birthing pavilions, we have birthing adjuncts, we have birthing wings, we have birthing hospitals. There's so many different venues for birth to take place. And I think it's even people that I know very personally, you'd think that they, even they are still I don't think they have a full breadth of understanding of all the options that are really available to women in the U.S. when it comes to birth. Exactly. In my one of my, one of my area hospitals, we have a birthing suite, which right. looks more like a hospital room. So it's pretty right, cool. Right. And it's attended only by CNF. Right. So there's all there's all different. There's so many different opportunities. And, you know, my experience of, you know, I've really only worked in the New York City metro area. So New York City, and I've worked in um, New Jersey, Northern New Jersey, which is where the bulk of my practicing has been my schooling. I went to NYU, I went to Johns Hopkins, which was in Maryland, very limited experience in Maryland during my schooling, but it's very regionally based as well. So my friends that I went to midwifery school with or from my midwifery, you know, I know a lot of midwives. I'm, I'm very fortunate to know a lot of them. When I hear about what it's like in Chicago versus what it's like in LA versus Boston and San Francisco, it's very different than what it's like in New York. And even it's incredibly different from New York to New Jersey. And, you know, we're four miles apart. We're separated by a river. Right. So it's, it's really hard, I think, for women to understand their options. And, you know, a lot of women don't think about their options until they're already pregnant. And then it's kind of like this rush to to get it situated and to get it sorted out. I mean, some women do, some women think about it ahead of time, but I think the majority are kind of trying to put together the pieces of what childbirth looks like in the U.S. during pregnancy. Yes. Good point. So Kristen, who would be eligible to work with a certified nurse midwife as far as patients? Yeah. So, you know, I was a high risk midwife. So I did did the majority, you know, attended over 2000 births. I did the majority of my births in the hospital setting, very few in a birth center and even less at home. And I, I never risked very, very, very rarely did I risk anyone out. I had the very fortunate opportunity to work with a maternal fetal medicine specialist as my collaborating physician. And so- we were only sending people out of our practice that had really complicated, you know, needed fetal surgery, almost zero. And in a year, sometimes zero people got risked out. Some midwives can only take low-risk women, the absolutely low-risk women, so that sometimes anemia will prevent a woman, you know, make a woman need to transfer diabetes, high blood pressure, breach, the baby being in a breach position. So I would say that any woman, because I really never... And I know a few midwives who work like myself, work with a maternal fetal medicine specialist. They work with a very high risk doctor. Anybody is eligible 
for midwifery care, really any woman. I mean, very few, less than 0.01% women would be ineligible for midwifery care. Yeah, that is amazing. And as you mentioned, it depends on the hospital policies, the state, and it can be very different in other areas. Yeah, and a lot of it really has to do with the collaborating physician. So what the collaborating physician's comfort level is with that particular midwife, the longer this is just kind of a generalization, which I think there isn't really in birth. I don't think I think it's almost impossible to make any generalizations, but most of the time, the longer a midwife works with any given doctor, any physician group, the comfort level between the two of them or the groups of them in, in terms of what they can handle is going to only increase exponentially as the years go on. Makes perfect sense. Yes. Thank you for that explanation. And of course, insurance covers nurse midwives in the hospital. Yeah. So insurance we were very fortunate to get a bill in legislation passed in 2022 called the No Surprises Act. This means that pretty much any woman with insurance can go to a midwife in or out of network because the way that that bill works, labor and delivery is considered an emergency. And so it pretty much has opened up the field for even if your midwife is out of network, that you can still use that midwife. And I think a lot of midwives and consumers, patients don't fully understand this bill and don't understand the full benefits of this bill. This really a bipartisan bill that was passed by both sides. Not very many bills are so uh, bipartisanly passed because patients were getting surprise bills, right? Like you would go to a hospital, you would see an anesthesiologist, you would see a plastic surgeon because you busted your lip open and you needed some stitches. And then you were getting this huge bill from an out-of-network provider. Because that has stopped, that has enabled birth workers to have access to the benefits of this bill, which include being out-of-network and being able to bill an insurance that has in-network only. So I, I think it's like a really... And I'm happy to talk to anybody so that they can understand, you know, they can understand it or they can have it explained to them. But for midwives and consumers, both your insurance now will cover an out of network midwife. Wow. Well, you are definitely educating our listeners and certainly myself. So thank you, Kristen. Yeah, my pleasure. And as far as the role of a doula, how do doulas and nurse midwives work together during the labor? Yeah. So I think this is another kind of big, kind of convoluted um, understanding in the birth community to people who like are outside of it. A lot of people think midwives are doulas and it's just, so they're not the same doulas as you know, being a doula are really non-medical professionals that really are about emotional, physical, spiritual, mental support. And the midwife is really more about the physiological process of labor, the path of labor, the progression of labor, the safety of the labor, and kind of like the captain of the labor ship, like making sure that it's on the right course, safe, effective course. I think that these two roles get confused. I think every woman should have a doula. So whether they have a OBGYN, they have a midwife, I think every woman should have a doula. I think that should be standard of care. I think that should be like a no-brainer. I think that we would see a much, a huge shift in birth from a cultural perspective if that was the case. So how doulas work with midwives is they really kind of work as part of the the birth team usually consists of a medical professional, either a midwife or an OBGYN, the family, whatever family members that entails, could be one, could be friends, could be 10 people. And then a doula is there to kind of 
be the bridge between the world of medicine and family. Beautiful. And as far as prenatal visits, how are visits with a nurse midwife different than an OB appointment? Hey, Alyssa here. I'm just popping in to tell you about our course called Becoming. Becoming a mother is your guide to a confident pregnancy and birth, all in a convenient six-week online program. From birth plans to sleep training and everything in between, you'll gain the confidence and skills you need for a smooth transition to motherhood. You'll get live coaching calls with Kristen and myself, a bunch of expert videos, including chiropractic care, pelvic floor physical therapy, mental health experts, breastfeeding, and much more. You'll also get a private Facebook community with other mothers going through this at the same time as you to offer support and encouragement when you need it most. And then of course, you'll also have direct email access to me and Kristen, in addition to the live coaching calls. If you'd like to learn more about the course, you can email us at info at goldcoastdoulas.com or check it out at thebecomingcourse.com. We'd love to see you there. So I don't know that they necessarily have to be. The practice that I had was called integrative OBGYN. We okay. had, I was the only midwife in that practice and there were four doctors and the di- the visits were no different between myself and the OBGYNs, you know, very comprehensive, 30 minutes to an hour each, really about making sure the woman and her family and support network felt comfortable, educated, understood what was going on. And we gave her tips and tricks and to prepare along the way. So I don't know that they, like they necessarily have to be, I do think there's a difference between the in-network model of birth and childbirth care, which is more of a number, you show up. And I think that can happen in midwifery or OBGYN, where you show up, you come in, you get your heartbeat check, you get your blood pressure and weight and urine, and then you're kind of just moved through and you're kind of like a number in a system. I think that's a very like in-network model of care that doesn't support how birth is really meant to be, which I think is much more in the out-of-network model of care where the clinicians, midwife or OBGYN, have the luxury because the reimbursement rates are higher for providers in an out-of-network model to take the time with women that they really need. I am like such a big proponent for having birth move to an out-of-network model, especially because we had this gift given to us from the 2022 No Surprises Act. Yeah, that makes sense. I certainly had um, the latter experience out of network and had longer appointments and worked with both um, nurse midwives as well as OBs with both of my pregnancies. So yeah, I just felt like there was a lot more time for questions and mm-hmm. a lot more emotional connection in some of those appointments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the number one difference between the two models of care, midwifery or physician-based. That makes sense. Thank you. And then as far as the postnatal care, what does that look like? And it sounds like it depends on the model and may not be much different. In my community, I know that some of our clients are able to see their nurse midwives sooner after delivery rather than waiting for that six-week appointment. But it may be, again, different depending on the practice. Yeah, I think that the postpartum care in our country is pretty atrocious. You know, we 
give women, if you're in a birthing center or at home, usually, I mean, home is probably a little bit better, but in a birthing center, you're given like 24 hours of support. And then, you know, you're seen once or twice in a six month window after that. I think pediatricians, to be honest, are picking up a lot of the slack that's left by the significant dearth in the postpartum care that we have in the US. Absolutely. You do, it's the same thing, like you said, in an added network model, physicians and midwives are doing the same thing when it comes to labor, birth, pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum typically. So when people ask me like, what's the difference? I'm like, there's really no difference. The difference between a midwife and an OBGYN is like, as an OBGYN, I'm not doing gynecolog- advanced gyneco- gynecology. I'm not doing fibroid removals, myomectomies, ovarian right. cyst removals. I'm not doing any type of high-end fertility, IVF, those types of things. So when it comes to the pregnancy and the care, they really kind of do the same thing. So it's kind of about like, what type of provider, what culture within a group of providers do you more resonate with versus it being midwife or doctor? And then for postpartum care, like like we said, like in the added network model, you're going to get a little bit more than an in-network model, but not much. Okay. Thank you. And nurse midwives can certainly see patients beyond that postnatal visits. So with um, well woman care, and can you explain a bit more about the role of a nurse midwife beyond the birth? Yeah. So nurse midwives are very similar, like I said, to your regular OBGYN. So they can do anything that has to do with wellness prevention and your kind of average gynecological care. Like I have a yeast infection, a UTI, I need birth control, I need birth control counseling and, you know, mild primary care work. You know, a lot of us are very well versed in um, the management of blood pressure postpartum or hypo and hyperthyroidism, you know, very similar to our OBGYN counterparts because just because of the sheer volume of women that we work with and their health challenges that come up with them just naturally being a woman and just being 44 when they give birth or 34 when they give birth or 24, like what happened, like the sequelae of what happens after that. So it's really more about, I think like for like midwifery versus an OBGYN, it's really about finding and connecting with a person or a group of people, a a group practice that you like and that you resonate with because a midwife can do pretty much what a lot of what an internal medicine can do, not all, but a lot. And then also what an OBGYN can do in an, in a primary care setting, like in a wellness preventative annual yearly check-in kind of setting. I think that providers specifically all kind of sometimes have different niches. And this is where I also kind of tell my friends and family, like, you know, if they do have more of the complications that go along with gynecological care or women's health, you know, they have breast concerns, they have fibroids, ovarian cysts, endometriosis. That's really when you want to seek out a specialist within that type of medicine anyway. So if you have endometriosis or suspected endometriosis, you don't really want to go to an OBGYN or a midwife. You want to go to an endometrial specialist. So someone who is, you know, an OBGYN and then within their day census of who they're seeing in any given day, they're seeing 20 patients in a day, half of them are endometriosis cases that they're working with. And then that's really their expertise and their specialty. The same thing with with ovarian cysts or PCOS or menopause, perimenopause, like those are really 
niche specialist that I think the general OBGYN or the general midwife is probably not the best person to go to when those kind of issues arise. It makes sense. So speaking of perimenopause and menopause, how did you, you know, come to found Femgev, excuse me, Femgevity? Yeah. So I like, I'll be honest. I don't think that, again, there's so many things in our system and I'm, I try to be an optimist in my life. Maybe I'm not coming across that way right now, but I think that unfortunately the U.S. does not support birth workers in the way that it should. And so burnout is very high and yes. I was no exception. I fell into that kind of category where it's very difficult for birth workers to kind of continue because of there's no respite. The system in terms of like making a living out of this job does not have built-in respite where you can rest and rejuvenate and refresh and then come back to the system renewed and able to continue a career that could be 20 years, 30 years, 35 years. And so I, like most birth workers that I know, unfortunately had to kind of hang up my hat of birth and transition. It worked out well for me because my clientele that I had worked with for 15 years was older. And so they were kind of in their post-reproductive years. And so it kind of made sense for me. Like it it worked out everything kind of, I always believe everything works out anyway. So it kind of worked out that my clients that I had had for years and decades were asking me different questions. You know, they were asking me questions more about perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, the longevity medicine. And so sure. I was able to morph my practice into that type of practice and then become a specialist and niche into that field and that area. So now I would say, if you're looking for someone in perimenopause and menopause, I am that type of expert, whether it's OBGYN physician or midwife, I am that clinician to come to when you have questions about those issues and concerns because I've been doing it as an overlap of my birth practice for about 10 years. And so that's kind of where Femgevity was birthed, no pun intended or pun intended, right? Because because of that that transition was ramping up so much in my own practice and in my own life. Okay. So as far as working with you, how do our listeners connect and what is the process like? And is it a mixture of in-person and virtual and fill us in a bit more? Yeah. So what, what we're doing now, so what Femgevity Health is doing, anybody can go to the website femgevityhealth.com and take a look at what we're doing. But it's a, it is a virtual type of care because we're not meant to replace OBGYNs and not meant to replace primary care physicians. So we're not like the go-to for a pap smear or any of those types of situations that need hands-on and need in office. We're very specifically managing hormonal shifts that happen after 40. And that kind of looks different in lots of different areas. All of our visits are virtual. And so we'll have a virtual appointment and initial consultation usually advise lab ordering depending on um, what's going on. I mean, most of the time we're recommending labs. We also have functional medicine or longevity medicine labs that we offer like gut microbiome tests, micronutrient testing, allergy and food sensitivity testing, genomics, and that those tests help us put together all of the pieces about how to properly balance hormones 
in different decades of a woman's life. And so, so it's helpful. all done virtually because we can mail the kits to women's homes or if they need blood work, we can send them to their local lab core or Quest Diagnostic or Bioreference Lab and get the blood work done. And then we're able to kind of consume all of that information virtually and then come up with treatment plans and recommendations based on um, based on what's going on. It, it enables us to keep the cost down for women because we don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar practice and we don't have to have a whole bunch of staff and a lot of overhead that goes with having an in-person office. That's fantastic. And you do offer free consultations. Yes. Yep. So we offer like a 10 minute free consultation at Femgevity Health if women aren't sure if what they're experiencing is something we could help them with. And um, we also do like Instagram lives on most Monday nights around 8.30 or 9 p.m. Eastern time, where we also answer questions live that people send us as well. Perfect. So you're on Instagram, as you mentioned, at Femgevity, and you have a website. Where else can our listeners find you? Yeah, so we're on all socials. We're on Facebook, we're on TikTok, we're on LinkedIn. And I'm on LinkedIn personally, um, Kristen Mallon. And we also have um, like live chat on our website and we have a contact us form, we have emails. So it's really easy for people to reach out. People can call or text us as well. Call or text Longevity Health if they want to like have a chat conversation via text about what they're experiencing or going through and they don't want to get on a free consult or they don't want to make a phone call. So lots of ways for people to reach out and, and get the information they need. And the website is femgevityhealth.com. Yes. So any final tips for our listeners, Kristen? Yeah, I think it's, we've really covered a lot. And I would, I, what I say about birth specifically, so for the people who are kind of more interested in birth and childbirth, the real experts to kind of consult with are people like yourself, like the doulas of the community, or a lot of times there's, I know it seems kind of strange, but there's like WhatsApp, Facebook, or some sort of like communal chats that have a lot of really good information about birth, birth workers, who to go to, what type of places to go. And it's usually very regional. So I always kind of encourage women to get involved in their regional groups, chats, doulas, birth workers, because a doula from Ohio isn't going to be able to really tell a woman in Oregon a lot about opportunities, resources, support, et cetera. So I think that's like my best tip for birth. And then for peri perimenopause and menopause and hormone balancing specifically, which you know can happen, some women have unbalanced hormones, unfortunately, in their 20s even, you really want to seek out an expert like ourselves. And for women that are 40 plus, a lot of what they're experiencing is probably perimenopause or changes in their hormones or shifts in their hormones. Because I think a lot of women just sweep it under the rug and they just don't, you know, they're tired, they're fatigued, they're sleep, not sleeping well, they're having more anxiety or depression or night sweats or insomnia. And they just think it's aging or they just think it's having little kids. And there's usually something shifted that we can help them balance. And, you know, it's not always like HRT and hormones. That's not um, a lot of what we do is with diet, lifestyle, supplements, nutraceuticals um, to help them get back on track. Fantastic. Well, it was wonderful to have you on and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk with you. Thanks for listening to Ask the Doulas. 
For more information about Gold Coast Doulas, visit us on our website, goldcoastdoulas.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Thank you. Remember, these moments are golden.